Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. How's it going, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Western Centric. I am your host, Colton Davies, and on the other side of the screen for me is my co-host, Matthew Zader. we got a bit of a long show ahead today. Uh, we're going to be covering the CHL import draft results, the Moose Jaw Warriors rebrand, which looks fantastic. Uh, we got a bus ride segment this week, which is Doug Wickenheiser, some news around the league, and then we'll finish things off with the NHL mock draft. Uh, unfortunately, we have to start today's show off with some very sad news. Kevin Weeks reported this morning that uh, former NHLer Brian Marchment has passed away at the age of 53. Uh, Brian played in the Ontario Hockey League for the Belleville Bulls and then, of course, went on to have a pretty prolific NHL career. Um, he was most recently a scout for the San Jose Sharks. Brian's son, Mason Marchment, currently plays for the Florida Panthers. Um, so we just want to offer our condolences and thoughts, of course, to the Marchment family. Um, very sad news, of course. And uh, we will uh, we'll move things a bit forward here into some more positive stuff, obviously. Um, with the CHL import draft uh, just, you know, having happened over the weekend, uh, 23 players were selected by WHL teams, and uh, Matthew and I are going to go through it. So Slovakia selected, oh, Slovakia, <laughs> the Medicine Hat Tigers selected Slovakia's Adam Sikora with their first overall pick. And uh, what, what do you like about Adam's game? And uh, do you think that, you know, he's a player that will step right into, uh, into Medicine Hat next season? Well, I like Adam Sakura. I had him ranked in my sec in the second round of my latest rankings, and uh, yeah, he's a very skilled skilled player. I think I think he's going to really like if he comes over to the Tigers. I mean, I wish I hope he does because he's going to be exciting to follow um, for us on the podcast here and um, to see if he can kind of turn you know the medicine hat medicine hat didn't have a very good season last year, right? And right. Um, of course, that's why they got the first overall pick in the import draft and uh, picked a really good player here. I think he's going to really fit in as a, as a, you know, he's a great he's skilled. I mean, it seems like Slovakia just has so many players in this draft <laughs> coming. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, they're starting to have a bit of a resurgence. Uh, like we discussed um, last episode about the amount of Slovakians and uh, Czechia players that are going to be Czech players are going to be in this import draft. And you can see looking through this list, there's so many of them. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. So Sakura is going to be a heck of a player to watch. I think he's on the same level of skill as like uh, Fabian Lysel type 
uh, player being very exciting, very uh, dynamic forward. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited to watch him. And hopefully he does come over um, to the WHL. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and just to add you know, a little fun note there, uh, his father, Roman, uh, was a mm. 32nd overall pick in the import draft in 1997 by Tri-City. He played eight games for the Americans in 1997-98 and then went on to play in the BCHL and then returned to Slovakia. Yeah, that's... That's a little bit of notes there. Yeah. Um, And then obviously just some other picks. Uh, We're not going to run through all of them because I would butcher all of these names probably. (laughs) So we're not going to do that. Um, But just some names to highlight uh, the people that I saw um, or people that I saw getting excited about uh, Tommaso DeLuca uh, from Italy selected by the Spokane Chiefs. Um, He's a player that seems to be very liked among among, uh, scouts. Uh, Luca Auer, I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He's from Austria. Uh, Regina Pats pick. Alex Siernik out of Slovakia, uh, Lethbridge Hurricanes pick. He's another guy um, that seems to he, he well Siernik is a guy who I think is like a third or second round guy this year. Kind of yeah, I, I can't believe so. He kind where. of drops in there. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Canvas Blazers selected Apo Sorel from Finland, so they kind of get a. Uh, a, a nice offensive defenseman there. He, mm-hmm. He's more of a two-way defenseman. Um, but you know, Sorrell is a player that uh will 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 make a difference for sure. I mean, you you look at what Pershawn was able to contribute this season, mm-hmm. and uh it, yeah, I mean, obviously with the Memorial Cup being a big um big reason for him to come over, uh it'll be interesting to see him kind of develop his game at the North American junior level. Cause he has been, he has been predominantly good in Finnish junior leagues. So yeah, I'm excited. And then, you know, your Vancouver giants, they took, they took Lakaramaki. Yeah. I saw that. That's exciting. The thing is, um, is he going to come over? And that was like, you know, when Lysel was picked too, there was that, that, you know, kind of concern that he may not come over to North America, yeah. but he did. Uh, Lakaramaki could follow that same route. And uh, come over to the Giants. That'd be a heck of a team. I mean, to play. I mean, Lysel's going to be there for a bit, unless he makes the NHL quickly here. But I would hope that he's still there when Lakeer Mackey comes over because that'd be exciting to watch for Vancouver. Oh yeah, I think I think he. You know, it's similar to the. It was like yeah, it was similar to the Lysel situation. I had a conversation with somebody where they said, you know, I don't think he's going to come over, and I said, well, they didn't think Lysel was going to come over. Um, and they, they lucked out on that one. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Giants will end up because you got to think like the NHL, um, you know, whoever drafts him, he, he's a top 10 talent and whoever drafts him, I think that they're going to be, uh, it's debatable, obviously, uh, what they're going to be more inclined to for having him, you know, what, which path they want him to go down for development. If they'd rather him stay in and get, you know, third, fourth line minutes in the garden in the Swedish men's league or get, first line minutes because he is a first line player in the whl yeah um, um so it's all about the development right you, you look right, at lysel yeah. and lysel they you know boston went well um you know he he needs to develop a bit and i think you know the juniors would be good for him and it kind of helped that you know there's a connection with cam neely and you know, there, there's there's a connection with the bruins and the giants from what i've heard through a circle so yeah. like it kind of all worked out um but yeah, I think, you know, the NHL team will really, whatever, whoever drafts him, it'll really dictate where he goes. Um, but I, I don't have a lot of doubts. Like, I think he will end up being in the WHL next year. Yeah. And there's a reason why he dropped into the second round. It's because of that. 
Um, yeah. Not sure, right, if he's going to come and play. Yep. And yep. Uh, their first pick, though, Samuel Honzek, I, I'm kind of excited. I'm excited to see what he can do, too, if he does, of course, come over. Um, okay. Because, uh, again, big centerman. Um, and I don't know if he's, he's not a high-end pick, but uh, one of those guys that could be drafted later on. Um, yeah. see what he can do. So I, I'm excited with what the Giants did in this draft. I mean, uh, look, Karen Mackey for sure is the most excited I am with, with that. When I saw him that he was picked by the Giants, I was like, whoa, that's pretty good. So, um, but again, there's that question if he'll come over and I, I, I agree. I think he will. I think he will come over because the thing is they've had experience with Lysel. I'm sure they've kind of gauged that before they picked him kind of saying, well, does he have a chance with, you know, who they have over in Sweden talking to um, who was over there? Cause I'm sure they did that with Lysel as well. So yep. we'll see. I, there's, there's a reason. I mean, there's a reason they picked him <laughs> that uh, and, well, and that's, kind of sure yeah. that maybe that he will come over. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, you know, there's that, there's that hope. Um, so I think, I, yeah, like, I think like, there's the hope that he does come over. And then if he does come over, Oh God, like he's going to be like a 40, 50 goal guy. Oh geez. Yeah. Like he's just going to keep finding the back of the net. And then the Blazers took a goalie as I predicted. I actually figured they would take a goalie because, because they didn't really have, they have to answer for Dylan Garan's disappearance. If he, you know, of course does leave this year and goes to Hartford. Yeah. Um, so there needs to be somebody to replace that. And, well, you know, Dylan Ernst is a, a solid netminder. Um, I, I don't know if they can rely on him in that sense. So I think that the targeting a goaltender was a pretty key factor for them. And whether they were going to do it in, you know, the import draft or do it throughout free agency, or I guess, you know, the off season, I guess you could say for, you know, juniors, um, it's a, you know, it's a target for theirs and it's clearly something that they wanted to get done. And, you know, this goaltender, uh, Michael Schnattinger, I can't, I can't pronounce that. It's a whole name, but he, you know, you look at guys who have come over from Czechia, um, you know, Czechian goaltenders, Merrick Langhammer is a guy that I think about. Merrick Schwartz is a guy that I think about. Um, so yeah, there's some hope. Yeah. That's all I have to say. And just he to plays fact, in a check, fact check myself there. Um, Hanzek isn't, I've, isn't eligible till next year so he's uh okay he's in the 2023 draft so there you go so yeah so the, that gives him you know he gets a little more scouts you know a little more eyes on him yeah if he yeah. comes over right so i just recognized his name so i mean i think i may have seen him a bit so uh, he is definitely a guy to look for um for next year then yep yeah and, and that was just the thing right like there was a couple guys that i think uh did get selected um Dalibor Dvorsky, I do believe, got selected somewhere in the draft. And like, yeah, so there's some guys that got, you know, picked up. And it'll be, it's like last year in last year's import draft when the Charlottetown Islanders took a swing on Matvey Mishkov. And, you know, he's not going to come over, but, you know, you, you're hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> there's quite a few guys. guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's history. talk about standouts from last year's import draft. It's a little uh, little article written up by uh, the CHL here on this website. Uh, so they just highlighted, um, you know, just a few players that had pretty pretty good success this year. Uh, Jakob Demick, of course. I mean, he was a guy who was a pretty hot topic on this podcast for, for the last six months. Um, you know, he dominated the Oil Kings. He's a Vegas Oil uh, Vegas Golden Knights pick. Uh, somebody that I, I, I'm a big fan of big, 
powerful player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there's yeah, he's he's been kind of throughout the year. Um, I've heard his name around, so he's going to be interesting to watch his development moving forward, too. Yep. Uh, Nico Hutanen. Oh, I mean, uh, we've talked about yeah, we talk about him. <laughs> we, we don't need to just keep talking about him. But Nico Hutanen was another player that popped up on this list. Uh, Vincenz Rohrer. I butchered that, but he's from Austria, plays for the Ottawa 67s. Yeah, uh, he's an interesting goals. guy. Yeah. Interesting player. Yeah. He uh, he's somebody that's available for this year's draft, a strong candidate for a second round, I do believe. Yeah. Um, so uh he had a great year this year. What is my computer doing? Okay. Um, Matthias Sapofovil. Um, he plays for Saginaw. Uh, you know, he 54 points. He was fourth among all rookies. Um, 34 assists. Uh, you know, he was uh, a, a pretty good player there and, and he and here's a fun little stat here he took a staggering 1300 face-offs and won 51.9 percent of his draws huh, that's pretty good <laughs> yeah and then uh david spotcheck the son of former nhler yaroslav spotcheck uh david was the 67th pick in the uh the import draft last year uh he led all rookie qmjhl defensemen in goals assists and points this season he also won the QMJHL's Defensive Rookie of the Year. Oh, there you go. <laughs> He's eligible for 2022 draft as well. He had a plus 21 rating and was one of the uh, top rookies in the league. Nice. Just some fun little info there. Um, obviously, you know, the import draft's a big one. Um, it gives a lot of these players, a, you know, a chance to continue to shine and maybe uh you know get get some more people to watch them where you know they, they wouldn't normally be able to um not everybody has the luxury of getting up and watching hockey at one o'clock in the yeah. morning or you know <laughs> staying up till five o'clock so having these guys come over and uh be able to shine you know puts a light on them um i don't think you know you look at what Jakob demick did and if, if demick was draft eligible this year he'd be a first round player you know what i mean yeah and instead he goes in the third or fourth round of vegas last year and then comes up and destroys the whl yeah <laughs> um let's talk about the uh moose Shop warriors rebrand i like it i really do i really like how how it's uh their new logo and the way they've kind of set it up because it's, it's very canadian uh to me <laughs> yeah. it is um yeah they kind of shocked the hockey world uh with that rebrand i i'm not too sure if somebody can let us know uh on social media uh if there was like you know there was talks about there being a rebrand uh, i'm not actually sure if there ever was like my thing with them though was like i saw their jerseys the last couple of years and i was like looking at them and i'm like it's time for a change like those are plain i'm sorry yeah. like they're just so plain and uh thankfully they they thankfully they listened to uh whoever was telling them their creative director whoever whoever told them to make that change it's a it's a great change because um you know this new logo with the you know the snowbird on it yeah uh, it's phenomenal and you talk about you know what the snowbirds mean to canada what they mean to manitoba um you know obviously here in Kamloops, the snowbirds have a uh you know quite a a history um and then of course there was the the fatal accident with the snowbirds mm. in 2020 that occurred here in Kamloops. um so there's there's a whole there's a whole thing it all ties together um yeah. but i'm very excited like i think those jerseys are sharp i love the red on top um love the black stripes uh they kind of remind me of like 
like Carolina's jerseys almost. Like it mm. was kind of like kind of like Carolina. Um, but I love them. I think they look fantastic. Uh, love the logo. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to seeing them debut them and and you know see them out on the ice. Yeah, and I like that uh, connection, like you say, with the Snowbirds and uh, their motto being Warriors of the Air. So that yes. kind of really connects to their the name, Lustro Warriors. And they've had, you know, you know, in their release here, this is that, you know, had a big relationship with the Snowbirds over the last uh, decade or so with 15 wing Moose Jaw. Um, and that's, it's just an awesome connection and awesome uh, way they've done it now. So um, great rebrand. Um, whoever was head of that and whoever the team that did, you know, was part of all that uh, did a great job with not just the logo and all that, but the concept of it all. So it's, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. And you look at like, it's all about the details really because they've got details like everywhere in that alternate logo on the side pat like the side patches they've got you know details that have to do with like you know the province of manitoba mm. um they've, it's you know the, the moose jaw uh what the city means to, it's it's all about the detail and like you know the, the fine details you talk about yeah. um you look at portland and what they did last year with their rebrand and how they were able to include you know that uh I forget the name of the mountain, but they were able to include, you know, the, the big mountain that's in Oregon there. Mm. And they had, you know, the forest in the background and, you know, the predominant, the hawk. It, it was, it, it's the fine and small details that really make, you know, a jersey stand out and a logo stand out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to see. Um, they didn't, I don't see any. Oh, there it is. Never mind. I saw that. I was like, oh, I didn't see their home or their dark jersey, but it is in here too. But yeah, I, both of them, great, great design. And it's going to be great to see them in action uh, next season. Yeah, absolutely. And so as a hypothetical, uh, which WHL teams could rebrand and revamp their style and logo? Uh, what do, who are we thinking here? Because like. Think of which. Hmm. Because for me, I think I'd like to see, um, you know, we've seen the Raiders revamp their logos over the years. The, the Blades have kind of gone back to their roots. The, the Broncos have switched back to their roots. Yeah. Um, you know, the Winnipeg Ice is, is, it's taken me a bit to get used to that logo. Yeah. Um, just because it's, it's different. It's more, more pops at you. But I think, you know, I think, the Cougars could maybe the Prince George Cougars might the, the, the they did rebrand in 2016, 2017. Mm. I can't remember when it was, but I think if I could pick one team that could totally change their look and change everything, it's the Kelowna Rockets. Yeah, the Rockets. I'm thinking Swift Current too. Um yep. Because they look so much like the Seattle Thunderbirds to me, like their color scheme. Yeah, yeah. Like absolutely. I kind of get confused on them. So like, okay, Pickering. Oh wait, no, he doesn't play for Seattle. He plays. <laughs> he plays first with current. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And and I see that too. You can definitely see that. I think uh, some of the teams have a bit of a hard time wanting to rebrand. Of course, I think the Oil Kings might be a team that might go down that route too. Um, Cause I know that there was talk about doing that. You, you, if you remember, they had the black and lime green Jersey. Yeah. Then they had that white and lime green Jersey. There was talks about them switching to that full time and doing that. But I think that those uh, didn't, didn't work out for them. So, well, no. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, it's not bad though. I think, 
you know, the rebrands are good. I, that's what I'll say. I think it's nice. It's a, it's refreshing to see some new logos, see some new jerseys and see some new, uh, see some more creativity. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, I do like the moose, uh, you know, the moose Tribe warriors, I think it was their alternate or their home Jersey this year, but it just has like the big moose face on it. Mm-hmm. I, I like those. Those, those are cool jerseys, but like, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see a change. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do agree with the rockets thing. They, that logo has been the way they've had that forever from what I can remember. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Next up on our list here is the bus ride segment. And of course the bus ride segment is every week where we take a deep dive into a former WHL player's career. This player of course could have played in the NHL or they could have just gone on to do absolutely nothing in that case. You know, the hockey term for that is a bust. Um, This week we are taking a look at Doug Wickenheiser. And as I was explaining to Matthew before we recorded, it was kind of freaky how it all correlated together and how Wickenheiser um, has a lot to do with what's happening right now. And so first we'll start with, um, he unfortunately passed away at the young age of 37 due to a rare form of cancer. Um, So, you know, he had a pretty uh, lucrative career and it was, you know, his career was going to be, uh, it's going to be pretty well, um, but unfortunately, obviously, things took a turn for the worse for him during you know the latter parts of his career. Um, but he was this is where it gets kind of weird. He was the last first overall pick by the Montreal Canadiens, and of course, the Montreal Canadiens pick first overall tomorrow. So he was picked first overall by Montreal in 1980, and he's also a cousin to Haley Wickenheiser, who was just named assistant GM of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So it all kind of works out. It's kind of weird how it works. But uh, I, when I was doing my research for that this morning, it all blew me away as I was coming across <laughs> that and just kept pinging off those little facts there. I was like, what is happening? No, it was, like, it was not set out to be that way. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. We weren't looking, we weren't looking for that. <laughs> no. No, not at all. So you take a look back at, you know, at what Wickenheiser was able to, uh, what he was able to do with Regina. And, you know, he, in 1980, when he was, you know, the first overall pick, he blew the WHL apart. He, in 71 games, he amassed 89 goals, 81 assists, and 170 points. Just, I mean, holy cow, blew the doors (laughs) off the league, right? Like, and then they went to the Memorial Cup, and he had five points in four games. You know, he also had he, forty points in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he he won Player of the Year that year. He won CHL Player of the Year, much like our most recent guest Logan Stankoven. He won, you know, the Bobby Clark Trophy for most points, hundred and seventy points at that time. It. It's insane to look back at those numbers. Uh, look at what he was able to do. Uh, he is ranked, I do believe, in the top 30 for top 50 WHL players of all time. Um, you know, he, of course, is as the, the, the leading. I forget what it is. He, he has a record for uh, a certain record um, that has still not been broken. It, you know when you look back at those types of players and what they were able to do 
And then, you know, the transition to the NHL, it's kind of funny to look at it because, you know, he went from 170 points and, and not even just that. I mean, he had, you know, 88 points in his first year as a rookie, 94 points the next year, then 170. Like he was, you know, going up that elevator pretty well. But then he comes to the NHL and gets humbled a little bit and, you know, 15 points, 35 points. And he started to started to figure things out with 55 points and 82, 83. Um, but then his career kind of took a bit of a derailment and he bounced around with St. Louis and he spent a little bit of time in Vancouver in 1987, 88. Um, you know, he of course then went to the New York Rangers and his career kind of diminished from, from there. But, you know, you look back at what he was able to do in the WHL, and I think that's where, you know, he really made his mark in hockey. And uh, obviously so, because, you know, the Regina Pats, you know, they've honored him uh, quite well throughout their history. And, you know, he's, you know, his numbers retired, uh, I do believe, by them. Uh, his numbers also, I do believe, retired by the St. Louis Blues. I do recall that. Um, so yeah, like it's just a, he's a great, he was a great player, um, and taken far, far too young. Yeah. 37. Like that's, that's just like, there's some players that are playing the NHL still now that are 37. So, um, very, yeah, very sh short life, uh, unfortunately. And, um, yeah, but he was a heck of a WHL player. I mean, like that year. I mean, we talked about, we had Joe Sackett in the bus ride segment last week. We were talking about his dominance in the WHL. That's around the same. I mean, yep. and that's 170 points in one season. That's just insane. <laughs> you know what it is? It's like, it's, un, it's unfathomable because like, you don't really see it happening, but then you think about guys like Connor Bedard, Logan Stankoven, and just, you know, what some guys, you know, actually could maybe do like, you know, I, I truthfully believe Connor Bedard could put up 150 points. And, and, but, but could he do it next year? I don't know. Like it, it would, he'd have to do it this coming season because I don't see there being any possible reason for him to be back in the WHL after no. draft year. I, I think like whoever he get, whoever um, drafts him, will he'll probably be playing with them. Uh He'll be, year. oh yeah, <laughs> and so I think that's where like, uh, yeah, like I think he can definitely. So I think for like, okay, wait, we're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna go off of yeah, it's more off here. here. <laughs> I think I think he could put 120 point, like 125 points up this year. I think that's the realistic benchmark for him. Yeah, I I I can agree with that for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's just again talking about craziness like that we had quite a few hundred point players in the in the whl this year so it, well and that, that's one thing to look at right um so going back to going back to to wickenheiser um you go back to his 1979 1980 season when he just fucking obliterated the league 170 <laughs> points there are 16 players in that list including him who had over 100 points that year shoot uh, right like like tim tukey had 141 points at the portland winter hops barry peterson had 140 points at the victoria cougars kelly casillo had 138 for the calgary wranglers um 
like a lot of these guys are obviously, you know, teammates. The Regina Pats had one, two, three, four, five guys in that top 60. Five guys with over 100 okay. points, which included a, a defenseman. So <laughs> that was uh, some insane hockey back then. Um, well, look at like even guy that drafted in the first round there too, Barry Peters and at 140 points. So, yep. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, so you look at that and, you know, you look at what, you know, different hockey, of course, but, it, you know, to have, you know, even five or six guys, three or four guys have, you know, I think there was four guys this year that had a hundred points in the WHL. Um, yeah. Baines, King, Stankoven and Bedard. Yeah. Those are the four. So to have even that, like, it's, it's awesome to see. Like I, I love seeing the high point totals and um, you know, I think it's obviously something that we uh, are going to continue to see because the game is like accelerating to like high goal scoring again. It's really weird. Like, I think like it's like, it's gone from like that high goal scoring to, to low goal scoring, lots of fighting back to the high goal scoring. I mean, yeah. you take a look at what occurred in the playoffs and not even just the WHL playoffs where, you know, you, you, you look back as far as back as, um, you know, round one when Camels defeated Spokane nine, nothing or whatever it was like <laughs> nine to two. I can't remember what it was, but you, you go back and you look at the NHL playoffs and, you know, the seven, six games, the eight to six games, um, those yeah. are becoming uh, a lot more consistent and, you know, there, there's a lot more of those. Yeah. It's, it's starting to become like, not just, like you said, not just the um, NHL, like all the junior leagues seem to be higher scoring now too. So it's yep. good for the fans. I mean, we love, we love watching goals. So not good for goalies, <laughs> that's for sure. Not good for goalies or coaches though. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and then you look at you, you, you know, you look at Wickenheiser's, um, uh, draft year so 1980 of course selected first oh, this overall is, by the montreal canadians the, the names in here i was just about to mention some of the names in here like right paul coffee sixth overall yeah uh, larry like, murphy yeah dennis, dennis savard yeah dave babich brian sutter um, yeah um yari curry was drafted in the what did i just saw him fourth round like <laughs> yeah so you know, you go through this list and you, it's, it's fun to go back and look at some of these names, obviously, but yeah, like just that, you know, that top five there that had um, kind of funny that, I mean, Paul Coffey was just uh, unbelievable, obviously. I mean, sixth overall pick. I mean, you, you, you look at where he was taken six. He's, he's a number one pick now, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, Dave Babbage, Dennis Savard. Um, yeah. Larry Murphy obviously was just a stud in the NHL too. Um, I think M Murphy, doesn't he have the most rookie defensive points still? I believe he does. Yeah. It's like the rookie record, the record for most points. Is 76 a points in his rookie season. So. Oh my God. Yeah. So I think that, that, that hasn't been beaten. He didn't, Oh, who did he lose the the Calder to that year? He lost the Calder to somebody, even though he put up 76 points as a rookie defenseman. Oh, was it uh because we were just talking about this uh on Daily Faceoff a few weeks back because we were talking about the awards. It's a Stastny. Peter Stastny? It was 20, I think it was 25 or 26-year-old Peter Stastny came over and won the Calder over Larry Murphy. It was Peter and, Stastny, yeah. Yeah, okay, so it was him. Yeah, so he, he came over and won the Calder. He was 24. Isn't that crazy? But he was so 24. Was, it, so Larry Murphy was Mo Sider 
and and and, and yeah, and he was Sasty was Michael Bunting. Like, oh my god. He was god. 24. He had 109 points though. <laughs> pretty good. Can't That's knock him good. for that. I mean, I mean, I mean Larry Murphy probably did deserve the but look at all these guys in this <laughs> class. Like it's insane. You got um Dennis Savard was in that too. 75 mm-hmm. points. Jorgen mm-hmm. Peterson, who I don't know who that guy was, but he had 37 goals. Like there's a pretty good rookie class there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Glenn Anderson, um, Bernie Nichols, yeah. uh, Andy Moog. Yeah, Yari Curry, Doug Lidster. Hey, shout out Camelops. <laughs> Basil McCray. Kelly Rudy. Like, geez. Wow. That's going down the, the list here. Yeah. Jeez. Like the, it's yeah, it, it's always fun to go back and look. Through. I mean, you look at obviously if you know what 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 the you know what the guys were able to do. And then obviously with the draft coming up, you know, tomorrow and and Friday, um, you know, people uh you know of the next generation can uh you know look back and oh look where look where Connor McDavid was taken, even though he was taken first overall. But then, but then you look through the draft and you get to see where, you know, Kyle Connor was taken and certain guys, you know, it's, so it's, it's always fun. I yeah, wonder how, you, I wonder how that will look in like 10 or 15 years, like that 2015 draft. That one. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting to look back on. I think this one coming up is going to be interesting to look back on too, because this one's yeah. a weird one. I mean, it really is. And that's why there's so much uh, talk about trades and stuff because there's there's guys like the OHL because it was canceled. You're having all these guys come in as overagers, but really they're they were just in their rookie season. So, yep, yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah, for sure. There's there's a lot of a lot of stipulations, a lot of things that take into effect into this year's draft. I think, which is why, um, you know, we had guys from Daily Faceoff and guys from Nation Network go to the draft, um, uh, go to Montreal. Sorry, on Saturday, hmm. like last Saturday. So, you know, over the weekend, guys were beginning to fly out and go to Montreal and get ready for to conduct interviews, talk to guys. And I think like, you know, uh, obviously, we're, you know, we're all journalists. So it's a different standpoint from from scouts and, uh, you know, team team guys. But, you know, just to even get that sense of, um, you know, who these guys are a little bit more and to spend, you know, a few days talking to them. I mean, I know that. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I said for the first time in two years, which is insane. Exactly. Unless like talking just on Zoom or whatever, but. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's why it was big. Like, that's why a lot of guys are there. Um, I know, like, the Blazers tweeted out uh, that Matt Slingren, Semenov, and Fraser Minton all went there on, like, Sunday. Like, they all went there over the weekend, too. So, like, yeah, like, I think it's a big, big event for, for, for everybody. Like it doesn't matter if you're a first round, you're a fourth round, a seventh round, you're going to get undrafted. It's a huge event for journalists, media, scouts, team. It's for everybody. It's, it's like you said, we haven't had this in two years. And I think that this is a long time coming and uh, it's going to be very exciting. I'm very looking forward to watching tomorrow. I mean, obviously you and I both are going to be in a, a mess of trying to get information out onto the web yeah. and dealing with certain stuff. Uh, so watching it might not be as much of a thing that I get <laughs> to do. Um, but, but still, I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I mean, we're all, yeah, like you said, we're going to be doing, um, trying to get all, everyone, all the information out to everyone. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on it for sure, but not enjoying it as fans i guess no no yeah it'll be a little more stressful from our end uh 
our point of view, that's for sure. All right, so we got some news around the league to cover. Um, and by news, I mean like three stories. There's not much going around right now. Um, obviously, as you know, the draft kind of happens and we get more into the offseason groove, uh, more news will come out. Uh, but the Canvas Blazers named Norm Daly their new president and alternate governor. Uh, Norm has been a big part of the city of Kamloops for, uh, for many decades and is, uh, was well known to uh, be the one who kind of rided the whole bid for Kamloops to uh, host the Memorial Cup this year. Uh, so he's a big part of the community and somebody that um, is not a surprise to uh, people in the Blazers circle uh, amongst myself. Um, so congratulations to him. The Seattle Thunderbirds have, you know, continued to load up as they do. Last week, we talked about them grabbing Brad Lambert from the Saskatoon Blades. And today they grabbed, uh, they signed 2021st overall uh, U.S. pick, uh, so the U.S. priority draft, uh, Grayson Sachin. So Sachin was originally drafted by Red Deer, uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, was originally drafted by Red Deer. Red Deer traded him to Seattle, traded his rights to Seattle because he was going the uh, U.S. route. He was going the college route and was actively playing in the United States National Development Program. But oh boy, the oh boy, like the Thunderbirds <laughs> are just getting better. Like this is a team that I mean, I mean, clearly they are pissed about losing in the WHL. Yeah. <laughs> Holy smokes. Bill LaForge is just going ham right now. Yeah, um, so, so good for them though. I mean, I mean, I'm very excited to watch this Seattle team and see what they are able to do uh, next year. And uh, you know, the first meeting between them and the Blazers, I'm sure will be a feisty one. Uh, all things considering. I'll say, yeah, that's going to be exciting to see. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just a last bit of news uh, before we jump into our mock draft here, uh, some QMJHL news. Uh, so the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League just had its uh, draft, their annual draft, and the Cape Breton Eagles made their very first uh, first overall selection, and they took Thomas Lavoie with their first overall pick. Uh, Lavoie is a defenseman, um, 16 years old, 6'3", 190 pound, right shot defender. He had 21 points in 36 games this past year in the AAA Bantam League, uh, well, the equivalent of what is AAA uh, down in uh, over in Quebec, not down mm. over. Um, <laughs> so, so good for him. So he's obviously a guy that you know could be uh, a, a legitimate prospect for uh, 2024. Um, wow. Yeah, That's something to think about. Um, so yeah, keep an eye on him. Guy to watch. Yeah, yeah, man. We could think about 2022. We got 2023 and 2024 yeah. coming that seem to be pretty strong too. We're Not just seem about to be, should be, should be. Yeah, we're just about to do our 20 2022 draft mock draft here and talk about 2024. Now it's got me all <laughs> confused. All right, Matthew, let's dive in to our mock draft. Uh, so I got 15 picks. Uh, I got them all written down who I think is going to go here. This is not based on my thoughts either. This is how I think, well, okay, wait, this, these are my thoughts, but these are how I think <laughs> it's going to be. It's going to be via team needs. So I'm not basing it off of rankings. I'm basing it off of just what I think yeah. teams are going to do. And, and, you know, there's the, you know, the history of course with Ottawa and Detroit going off the board and doing certain things. I've combined it all. <laughs> Let's start with number one unanimous decision i'm pretty sure here i have shane wright going number one to the montreal canadians 
Jane Wright, yes. Montreal Canadiens, that's unanimous to me, even though there's been talk about Slavkovsky and Cooley, and I think Wright's still going to be the first overall pick. Okay, easy. I'll run through 2 to 15 now, and then followed by that, you can run through your 2 to 15, then we'll compare. Sounds good. At number two, the New Jersey Devils select Uri Slavkovsky. At third, the Arizona Coyotes select Cutter Gautier. At fourth, the Seattle Kraken, I almost said Thunderbirds, <laughs> Seattle Kraken takes Simone Nemitz. At five, the Philadelphia Flyers take Logan Cooley. At six, the Columbus Blue Jackets take David Yurisek. At seven, the Ottawa Senators take Joaquin Kemmel. At eight, the Detroit Red Wings take Marco Casper. At nine, the Buffalo Sabres take Jonathan LaCaramacchi. At 10, the Anaheim Ducks select Kevin Korchinski. At 11, the San Jose Sharks take Matt Savoy. At 12, the Columbus Blue Jackets take Jimmy Snuggerud. At 13, the New York Islanders take Brad Lambert. At 14, the Winnipeg Jets select Connor Geeky. And at 15, the Vancouver Canucks select Denton Matejchuk. Any surprises? What do, what do you think? Um, That Snuggerud one in the top 15 is a surprise to me. <laughs> 12 to Columbus? Yeah, there. I had... Uh, so... I'll, I'll give a little insight behind my behind Gautier going number three. So well, that one too. Yeah. Okay. So Gautier going number three for me is because Doug Armstrong loves size. He loves big players. And that's something that he's always kind of drafted and always kind of done. And, and we've talked about Gautier before on the podcast, but if you've done some little bit of reading into him, he projects to be the player out of the draft who will be able to excel the quickest meaning that he can make that jump to the NHL and, and break out into that, uh, you know, his top end talent that he has mm. before any other prospect. And whether that's the case or not, it's, it's all, you know, scouting based and, and analytical based. Um, he's just the perfect package. He's, you know, he's six two, he's over 200 pounds. Um, he's a physically dominant forward who has been compared a lot to Max Pacioretty and Chris Kreider. Mm. Uh, he's a player that I think fits Arizona's mold quite well. And when you think about having Logan, or sorry, Dylan Gunther and Clayton Keller down the center, uh, as well as other, you know, other forwards there, I think Gautier really mixes it in well there. And Gautier is expected to play center this year at Boston College. So if that does work out for him, they'll have a guy that they can have on their wing and down the middle for even a third line pair. That's good. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, that's interesting um, to think about. Because, yeah, when Gautier said he could play center, yep. um, that, I think, changed a lot of things. It yeah. changed a lot in my rankings when I thought, you know, I brought him, shot him into the top 10 when, I had him like in the twenties before. So yep. Yeah. It's, think, a, it's a big deal. <laughs> I, I think it would change. That's like, that would change the draft right then and there because, because, you know, Seattle's going to take Nemitz. Like I, I don't see why they wouldn't. It, it's been mm. predicted everywhere. And you, you were somebody I think who wrote it too, but like they have Maddie Beneers. There's no need to go after another center. Uh, sure, there, there maybe is the need to go after Logan Cooley, but I don't see why they wouldn't get that blue chip defenseman and just have that, you know, that number one blue liner. And yeah. Nemitz no, is I'm, clearly. Yeah, the, no, they're guy. picking a defenseman. <laughs> yeah. So then Philly, because Phil, because Arizona takes 
Gautier. Philly takes advantage of that and they take Logan Cooley, somebody that is different to what, you know, fits Philly's scheme. You know, their whole agenda that they have, or they got to be big and tough. And obviously a name like Cutter, that belongs in Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> that, that just, that belongs there. So yeah, but you know, the, the, the curveball gets thrown by Arizona. That kind of derails the draft a little bit. Uh, you know, your check falls a little bit. Um, and then obviously, yeah, the, the snugger had won. So I think, I think, it's between him and Rutger McCrory, and one of those two guys will be a between ten and fifteen. I I feel like Snugger had had good, uh, good good draft combine, good interviews from what I've heard, and he's a player that apparently has been linked to Columbus. And if Columbus goes the defense route at six, they'll certainly go the forward route there. Um, but another player that if they decide to not go the forward route and they decide to go defense. And I know that this defenseman has been linked. They've had a couple interviews with him, uh, Pavel Mintyakov. Um, he's apparently very liked by Columbus's organization. So maybe Columbus does something a little different at six. Obviously these are all hypotheticals. This is just my take on it. Um, but I have Snugger going 12. And then of course at 13, I have Brad Lambert going there um, because of the, the, the Lambert connection that that's about yeah. it. Yeah, that's that's uh, something that I think I can't remember who t- said. I think it was Peter or Devin that was saying that on Prospect Corner too about the Lambert uh, thing. So yeah, that that's definitely. Um, I think Lambert does go top fifteen for sure. Yeah, I think um, mm, I saw somebody. I can't remember who. Sorry, I, I'm not going to obviously say who. Um, but an outlet had him going nine to Buffalo, and I was like, that's interesting. If Buffalo takes a swing, or like. I don't know if they do, but it, it would be interesting. It would be very interesting because um, if there's any team that's going to take a swing on them, watch watch Ottawa take him yeah. before Kemmel. Yeah, yeah. Right? Watch Lambert be the first Finn off the board or watch Columbus take Kemmel at six and then Ottawa take him, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's so much could yeah. change. I mean, I don't yeah. know. That, that, this is the weirdest. I think this is the weirdest draft. It's been a while since we don't know really. <laughs> well and that's Where just it yeah the guy's gonna go really i mean there could be a weird guy that could you know like that could jump into the top 10 that we yeah. haven't even talked about really that um yeah it, it, i think lane hudson's gonna really jump maybe not that high but he's gonna be in the mid i think mid of the first round um, i think so too. he's small but you know you're looking at what mccarr and hughes and all these other guys have been doing and I don't know, size doesn't really matter as much um, anymore. You know, it's funny um, to think about that size thing there, right? And uh, we talked last week, uh, and uh, we talked last week about uh, the Unrivaled documentary, right? And uh, we talked about Vladi Konstantinov and how Konstantinov's 5'10". Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, and he was one of the fiercest hitters out there. Darius Kasparaitis is 5'9". I mean, this is repeated information. <laughs> I spoke about this last week. But, but like Darius Kasparaitis was one of the most feared players in the league yeah. for a little bit there. That dude would truck people over. He could he could actually play a very offensive game as well. I mean, hats off to him. And he would just do the dirty work. And he was five foot nine. So yeah. so I mean, yeah, like it really does get shot down. Like here, like it really doesn't matter. And Hudson, obviously, you know, he's gonna he's gonna grow. So it's you know it did yeah, fuck it. That's how that's all I have to say. Screw the size thing. People can take that and shove it. 
Yeah. I think I think it's just silly. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's just a overused excuse, really. Yeah, yeah, and that's and that's the thing. There's so many big guys that don't make it too. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. All right. Run me through your one to fifteen. All right. So uh, Montreal Canadiens will select Shane Wright. Um, New Jersey Devils are going to select Simone Nemitz or Sim- Shimon, Shimon Nemitz. Nemitz? Is that how you ca- Yeah, there's going to be different ways of how you're going to say that guy. Oh, yeah. Name. Absolutely. <laughs> I butcher names too. Arizona Coyotes going with uh, Logan Cooley. Uh, for Seattle Kraken going with David Yurichek because uh, Nemitz is already gone. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a good pick there for him, them too. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers are going to go with Cutter Goche. Um, like you said, definite, I think, fit there. Um, oh, yeah. Columbus Blue Jackets going because both defensemen are gone now are going to go with Matthew Savoy. Uh, Ottawa Senators, Jonathan LeCaramacchi. Uh, Detroit Red Wings, Marco Casper. Uh, Buffalo Sabres going with um, who am I got here? Oh, geez. I just lost my place. Number nine, Buffalo Sabres, uh, Brad Lambert. That's the guy I had there. Uh, okay. 10, Anaheim Ducks, Kevin Korchinski. Uh, San Jose Sharks, Pavel Mintukov. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets going to Joachim Kamel. Uh, New York Islanders, they are going with uh, Denton Matejchuk. And too, too bad because the Canucks could have had them. Uh, Winnipeg Jets uh, going with Connor Geeky and then Vancouver Canucks going with Liam Ogren. Ooh, I was going to put Ogren. I was going to put Matejchuk <laughs> out of the top 15 and I was going to put Ogren, but I was like, you know what? The Canucks need defense. They definitely do. I really that like might be the route. doing more with Ogren looking at him. It's like, I really want this guy, even though he's not a centerman and he's not a defenseman, but. Sportsnet put Ogren's comparison to Gabriel Landeskog, and my eyes went very large Ooh. when I saw that. I said, okay, Ooh, if okay. that's how we're comparing him to, I'll take that any day of the week. That means we're making him captain next year. Well, a year after next year. Holy. <laughs> yeah, that – well, the thing is, is Ogren – and he, the thing is with the Canucks now, with how much Swedish people they've got in the front office – <laughs> oh yeah the, the the influence like the swedish influence there is is insane and that's what i mean like i think like if they don't go for a, a defenseman in matechuk or pickering for that matter i think they're going the swede route again yeah and they're gonna take ogren or osland or yeah osland i think osland's a little high at 15 but i think so too um i really want lakaramaki to drop that far i don't think that's happening <laughs> he uh yeah it's really hard to see him fall that far because like uh yeah that's a pipe dream for sure yeah unless the canucks moved up to seven yeah unless they moved up traded miller got the seventh pick took lakaramaki oh just do you, you know how nice that would be, be i'd be really okay nice. with that yeah uh let's talk a little bit uh we'll talk about trades we'll talk about trades but let's talk a little bit about WHL players outside of the first round and uh i'm we, we talked about this with uh with dayton reimer uh from the hockey writers obviously a uh, couple episodes ago uh, a couple weeks ago um top 10 WHL prospects we already ran through this list we're not going to touch it again uh but obviously uh one guy outside of the first round though that is very 
eyed upon right now. And I wouldn't even say he's outside of the first round because he definitely has that effect uh, to uh, be a changer and somebody that could go in the bottom half of the first. Uh, Jaeger Furcus. Yeah, Furcus. He's another guy. Like, I don't know. Someone may take a swing later, earlier because of how he um, yeah. went the Sanchez top prospects game and how he finished the season. I I really think he's a he's a guy that's going to be a surprise um, in the like 15, 20 range. Yeah. When he's been talked about otherwise, I mean, he has been talked about going down to the second round. So, I don't well, know. He, yeah. I think he, uh, that's what I kind of mean, right? Like he's got that package that somebody might just take a swing on him. And like, you know, he, he's definitely too small in, in quote unquote, uh, you know, some scouts might see that as a thing, but like, you know, this guy's, this kid's going to put on weight. I mean, he, he's sure he's five ten, 159 pounds, but he's going to put on some weight. And, and do you, do you not see him snap that puck? Holy huh. cow. It's a heat seeking missile. Yeah. I, like, I, I think he's going to be a heck of a player in the NHL. So he's, I think- he's so unbelievably creative and like, uh, you know, the Michigan goal this year, everything about his game, he's a player that I'm very excited for. And I actually hope he gets, I hope, I hope he gets selected in the first round. I hope somebody takes a swing and surprises. Yeah. I, I really do see him going in the first round though. Yeah. I, I think someone's going to take him in the first round, but. Like Arizona, Toronto, Tampa, one of those wrong. teams. It's so wrong with Stan Coven, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see well, they don't want to make maybe another guy like that, too. Nobody wants to make that mistake again. I mean. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's just a horrendous mistake. Um, and then, you know, a couple guys, though. Uh, I was just taking a look at, at, at this list. Um, this is thanks to the Hockey Raiders, uh, the 2022 NHL draft top 10 underrated WHL prospects. Uh you know, you've got guys like, uh, you know, Patrick Stefan's son, James Stefan, uh, you know, former first overall pick. Um, yes, I like him. Yeah. You know, Hudson Thornton's a guy that I'm actually a pretty big fan of. Played for the Prince George Cougars this year. He's a, an offensive defenseman. He's got there's quite a bit of potential with him. Uh, but Thomas Millage. Like, yeah. I think we see him get drafted. I think the teams, a team will take a chance on him in like the fourth round, fifth round. Um but he's a guy that I'm excited to see where he ends up because you talk about, you think about what, you know, what Seattle's doing right now and loading up, um, you know, this guy is only going to put up a better record next year in, 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 you know, in theory. Yeah. So a team to take a swing on him, I think will happen. So I, I'm excited. I think, you know, it's a second year of eligibility. Uh, so you know, there. I don't. I don't really know what the reason was why he wasn't drafted last year. I think. I mean, it's like we talked about, though. Obviously, COVID has had a big effect on draft rankings and why people weren't drafted, or yeah. you know, were drafted in different spots. Um, but he's definitely a guy that is a project and definitely a goaltender that I could see a team like maybe Edmonton or you know somebody that doesn't really have a whole lot of goaltending in their uh, you know in their back pocket there to take a take a swing on, try and develop. Um, and then obviously uh, Graham Sward uh, and Ben King. I mean, we've talked about Ben King before. I hope the Canucks take a chance. Like that'd be good for them. Obviously, you know, you have Archie Baines there and you, know, you can run that duo in Abbotsford. It, it worked at, at, the, at the junior level. It, it could work at the, you know, the pro level. 
Yeah, I, I just wrote his um, prospect profile for the hockey writers because I'm, I'm anticipating him getting drafted. So I'm hoping <laughs> I'm hoping he does. And I'm hoping it's the Canucks that do take a swing on him. Like, come on, you you guys are they were watching our Steve Baines. You can't help but see this guy, too. Like, <laughs> well, and that's just it. You can't help but not notice, um, you know, other other players on the ice. And, you know, uh, they, they were they were one of the best duos in the league. So, you know, you're watching one player, you're obviously going to see the other. And, yeah. and he fits that, you know, he fits that realm of what player, of what, you know, hockey guys like. He's 6'3", 200 pounds. He's a big, big, big kid. Yeah, he's a bit bit skating issues, but, um, I mean, that's going to be fixed. I don't think he's going to ever become a top six guy, but I think no. he could be a definite, uh, you know, good bottom six energy player and um score that 10 15 goals and that you need those guys too so <laughs> so in terms of sleepers and overrated players um i wouldn't really say there's many players that are overrated in this year's draft whereas in the past there have been certain guys that have been you know a little bit bumped up a bit more um for for whatever reason i know that there's a lot of I, okay, I guess there technically is an overrated in, in that sense. You know, there's some talk that Slavkovsky might not be able to produce at the NHL rate, you know, because of his lack of point production at the Finnish junior level. But, you know, his peer dominance at the international scene, I think, really says it all. Yeah, I think the thing is, though, and I'm still kind of leery with him because of yeah you know, he's dominating at a yes he's dominating a men's level like with a bunch of guys that that you know playing against men is big yeah but if you why isn't he dominating the his junior league though and that's yeah. what i'm kind of i'm a little iffy on him but i think he still is going to end up being a really good nhl player i just don't know if he's worth what everyone's talking about being a first overall pick or a second overall pick right um and i think I think that's fair. I think that I think we're he I've said it before. Uh, probably I don't think I've said it on the podcast, but I think he's like the ultimate boomer bust prospect like in this draft. Like he's going to be the guy that is either going to prove just everybody wrong and just absolutely powerhouse the NHL or he's going to drop, you know, become like a third line type player or just, you know, not to that second overall potential. Yeah. So I think that's where, like, you know, kind of, it gets kind of interesting there because, you know, you have such a high rated player, but there's, uh, you know, a general concern around it, him and his game. Yeah, that, and that's the problem. I think, I think, uh, like, I mean, like I said, I don't, I think he's still going to end up being a really good NHL player, but yeah, if you're putting expectations on he's going to be like a franchise winger, I think that's too much. I mean, you're yes. right now, I just sure. don't think there's enough evidence for that yet. And I mean, I'm, I'd love to be proven wrong because I, you know, I love his package and I love the game he has because I, I wrote an article that I want the Canucks to get the second overall pick to draft him. So, I mean, I'm not against the idea of get, having him. It's just as time gone on here, I'm looking at him. It's like maybe this is a bit of looking at recency bias more than what he could be. So, yeah, we'll, we'll and see. I, that, that, that's totally fair. And, yeah, and, and that's exactly it. You know, like 
um, that's the one thing that, that becomes fun about looking back at drafts. You know, you even look back at the, you, we look back at 2015 or you look back at 2012 or you look back at 1980 and you get to see how things played out. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously Slavkovsky, uh, you know, will be able to, does he make the NHL this year? Do you think? Oh, again, it depends on the team that drafts him. So, I mean, if it's, if it's like Arizona, yeah, I could see it. Um, if it's if New Montreal, Jersey takes him second yeah. though, does he, does he play? If New Jersey does. Yeah. I think he may, may play for New Jersey. I mean, they, they don't yeah. necessarily need him right now, but I mean, if, especially if Holtz kind of steps in, steps in and plays a full role and I got Dawson Mercer there, they got, they do got some good wingers to play right now. I, I don't know. But I mean, he definitely has the, again, he's got the phys athletically. I think he's ready for the NHL. Like you look yeah. at his size and well, uh, he is like, he, so, he's a monster. Jesus. Yeah. Six, four, 220 pounds. <laughs> like he's definitely ready in that respect. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, absolutely. So yeah. So no, I think like, yeah, that, that's a fair, that's a fair thing to point out too. Um, it'll be really interesting. Uh, he's a player I'm looking forward to uh, watching next season if he gets to play yeah wherever he is i mean i think i think it's gonna be interesting to see what his draft plus one year looks like and that's just yeah because he will probably get top minutes in tps if he ends up playing there um and then if he's playing in tps he'll be playing in the liga right so can yeah. he you know can he produce at that men's league you know he had 10 points 31 games this year but yeah, can he make that jump? I think that's that's what it is. And then the World Juniors this summer, he'll be able to showcase a little bit yeah. more, I think. Um, and that'll really uh, really put it into how, how he's going to do. But his CHL rights are owned by the Erie Otters, and not that, not that he has any anticipation or thought to come play major junior hockey. Um, that's an option. Yeah. If he does, if he does oh, play it with Erie, we got it's uh over the hockey writers here we got mark who uh covers them so he'll be really excited if that happens <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely uh so you know in terms of sleepers guys like lane hudson uh guys like Gator Furcus, who yeah. who else are kind of on your radar for sleepers i like for for the second round guys i like even later, yeah um I really like Matthias have a lead um, okay. defenseman, Swedish defenseman. And again, Canucks don't have a second round pick. So, I mean, they can't, unless they get one, they can't get this guy, but I, whoever gets him, I think he's, he's going to end up being a good top four defenseman. Um, very like, he's got that modern type um, package that, you know, defensemen need in the NHL right now, you need to be mobile. You need to be able to move the puck. And he definitely has that. I think he's going to be a surprise um, when we look back at this draft later on. Uh, same thing, like we mentioned Lane Hudson. I, I think he's going to be a stud in the NHL. And uh, if no, if whoever gets him, it doesn't matter, first round, second round, um, we're going to be looking back saying, well, what should have drafted him here. So <laughs> he's, yep. he's going to be heck of a player. Seamus Casey's another one. Um, oh, yes. And he's going to be drafted later on, I think. I mean, I had him at, 11th 12th overall at one point yeah. and other guys have kind of impressed me more but i still think he's going to be a a, a good um again 
that prototypical modern day type defenseman. He's got the same type of thing. So um, any defenseman that have that uh, good skater uh, mobility and stuff like that, they're hot commodities in the NHL right now, especially when you look at what Kale McCarr just did in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a fair point. And I think that's something that really put, like teams take into account. Um, you know, they look at what McCarr did. And, you know, I think that having, you know, you look at what, whether Lane Hudson is Kale McCarr, he's, you know, he's might not, okay, he's not Kale McCarr. No. Okay, let, me, <laughs> let, me, let me get that out of my mouth. He's not Kale McCarr, but the fact that he has that offensive flair to him that resembles a young Kale McCarr, and somebody that could, you know, eventually hop up into the NHL to be an offensive uh, defenseman in that sense. Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, I see what you're saying because you think about all these defensemen who are becoming, um, you know, more two-way guys. Like that's kind of how they're, it, you know, a lot of defensemen, a lot of physical defensemen I find are becoming more modern two-way yeah. defensemen where they can play, you know, they can play that big, powerful game. Owen Pickering would be the great example. Nobody expects a six foot five uh, giraffe to be able to, to <laughs> go out there and, you know, fling around on his skates, but he's a very, very mobile defender and somebody who, I mean, just knows how to use his edge work and is a player that uh, is defying those odds in the, the sense that, you know, size doesn't equal good skating. Yeah. No, so, that's, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, I think that, uh, you know, defensemen um, in that sense are a very hot commodity, as you say. And uh, I have a couple defensemen on my list. I have a few players that, um, you know, on my list here that I think uh, I just watch for I mean, there are so many players available in this year's draft because there's second year eligible and third year eligible guys who weren't able to, you know, be or weren't drafted last year. Uh, there's a long, long list. So like, obviously, um, you know, picking players to, you know, project as a sleeper or project as anything like that is a bit hard. Uh, but in, in sense of guys that I kind of like uh, outside of the first round, uh, Adam Ingram's one, Ludwig Pershon's one, Alex Santeri, Kaskamaki's another, Callie Odelius, Samu Bao, Gleb Trikazov, Alexander Paravalov, Graham Sward from the WHL, uh, Josh Davies from the Swift Current Broncos, Sam Plant, uh, Kokadelic. The, the, there's Kokadelic's. Uh, oh, I like I him. He, he played. Yeah, he's going to be at the World Juniors, I think, this year. He's with Sudbury. Uh, plays a plays a nice, nice game. A uh, lot of offensive flair to his game as well. But he's a very, uh, ooh, like like a Travis Konechny kind yes. of like yeah. very. Ooh, he's like a hard person to play against. Like he, th- you don't want to play against him. I really see him as being uh, a guy like um, Nick Paul or yep. Anthony Sorelli type player in the playoffs. Like, yeah, you're going to hate playing him in the playoffs. Oh, so. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's just like, you know, those huge playoff guys. And I think that um, those guys really, yeah, those guys are obviously, you know, a hot commodity too. You want players who are able to, uh, you know, jump up in critical situations and be able to play at big, you know, big moments. And I think that's where the argument about Slavkovsky kind of goes, you know, just to go back to him, like 
he is dominant in big games when it matters. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Right. And I think that's where some people kind of drop off on the fact that sure. He, he, he might not be as dominant in, uh, in Finland as, you know, as his numbers on the international scene would project him to be, but the fact that he can play a big game in, you know, metal rounds and yeah, can play a big that's game true. Yeah. against men goes, goes, goes a long ways. Yeah. And that's the thing, like guys that can step up in those situations, rather that than, you know, they dominate in the regular season and disappear in the playoffs. So yeah, yeah that's something. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. And I think like not to exhaust the, 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 the topic, but I think that there's a lot of um, different factors into where Slavkovsky is going to go. And I think that's part of the reason why, Fitzgerald, Tom Fitzgerald, New Jersey Devils general manager is open to moving the pick because he, I think, understands that after Shane Wright, the picks are kind of all over the place. And in, 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 in my opinion, I would still keep that second pick and I would use it on a Cutter Gauthier or on a Simone Nemitz or on a Logan Cooley. That's who I would use it on. Um, but, you know, you you trade for that assets if you don't necessarily need to load up there. And then you look at New Jersey's depth pool. They don't need another center. No, especially when they have Jack Hughes and they Nico don't need Bichier another defenseman. And, they yeah. have Luke Hughes. They have Shakir McComadulin. They have all these other players coming through their, through their realm. Right. And I think that that's a big reason why they want to move the pick, uh, not just because of, you know, whether or not Slavkovsky can be that mm-hmm. next big player. In terms of, you know, we talked about sleepers. So in terms of this year's, you know, Igor Chinikov, Tyler Boucher's, um, in our own mock drafts, we kind of already have those kind of, but is there anybody like, like Elaine Hudson or a Jaeger Fergus that you think could go top 15? Like, is there anybody outside of that, that, you think really could just become a shock? Like even a Maurice Sider wasn't projected to mm, go no. sixth, right? And that was a shock. Uh, I mean, for me, I actually am going to a guy you put in your uh, top 15 there is Snuggerud. I think he could potentially jump because a lot of places do. I mean, I think Button had him in the top 15 area mm-hmm. too. Yep. Um, so, I mean, there are there have been people that have said this, but at most places I've seen him kind of be in that latter first round. So um, he's definitely a guy that could potentially go up that far. Um, Marco Casper, even though he is uh, projected to go there, I think he could potentially jump into the top five. Um, it seems like that's been talk about that. Um, I think whoever picks him there, if they do pick him there, I think will be disappointed because I don't think he's a high-end guy. I think he's going to be a really good second third line player but i don't think he's worth a top five pick so um i you know i could i could be wrong i probably will be but uh i just don't see that from him like i love him on on the canucks but i don't see him as being a high-end elite guy that's going to really change anything in a top six but like i said i've been proven wrong before with with stuff like that so (laughs) hey that's fair I think like, like, yeah, I think in terms of guys that, um, you know, we, we, you know, we've I'm trying to really think who, who could jump up in that list. And like, you know, Casper is a guy because, you know, he, when was it the draft combine that he really took off on, yeah. on the rankings? Yeah. 
So he had really good interviews and uh, mm-hmm. fitness testing is really good. Because I remember yeah. Faber wrote for Canucks Army an article about the Canucks trading back to 25 or 27. And for then for Casper. But now he's not even rated supposed to go there. He's supposed to no. be in the top 10. So I think like if <laughs> I think Detroit, if anything, Detroit will be the team that will take that swing um, because of their, you know, their uh, their Swedish influence. But not only that, but of course, them just being that weird team. Eisenman does weird things, and but he drafts great. Yeah. So I mean, we've talked about, we've exhausted the Tampa Bay Lightning on this podcast, so we won't talk about them ever again, but until next season. But we talk <laughs> about the Tampa Bay Lightning's draft picks and how, how he, you know, Eiserman helped build that with and with Breezebois, of course. Um, and then what he's doing with Detroit, I think Casper is definitely a guy that they would go for. Um, in terms of Snuggerhead, you know who I think might actually take him? Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually think Buffalo yeah. would take him. I could see that. You know, I, it's hard, obviously, to predict w- where some of these guys will go. Um, but, you know, when Tyler Boucher went 10th overall, like, do we see that again? Does a team make a quote-unquote mistake like that? I, I The thing is, this draft is so weird. Like, I, I don't know. Again. Like there's so many guys that you're like, well, you know, he goes there. You're like, well, it may work. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, I really see what one thing I'm going to predict for this one is that I, I think an overager is going to jump into a, like an undrafted guy that was undrafted last year, going to be drafted in the second round. Ooh. I really do. Like there's guys that like that dominated their leagues and they were, they're overagers. So you know, I don't know. I, I, I really see a guy, one, at least one is going to be an overager. It's going to be ju- drafted in the set, at least the second round. I don't know about the first, but uh, the second for sure. Ben King. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you never know, right? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, that's that's the hard part, right? So, yeah, I, I think you're right, though. I think an overager will get taken kind of in that earlier second round, third round realm um that's what yeah, chinnikov did overager that's true pick. though that's true <laughs> yeah that would be interesting if if you know and columbus has a late pick again too do they not don't they have a 20 something or no, do they, they just, just have the first two this, the, the first, first two just yeah. the six and the 12 yeah okay it's buff it's buffalo and uh coyotes that have the yeah and 20s. so see i think i think arizona takes that shot on on lane hudson but you know what i mean there's the guy that i think actually could end up becoming a top 15 pick like absolutely like if if hudson were to get selected in the top 15 um i would not even be like i wouldn't really be i would be shocked but i wouldn't be uh that makes no sense to say this but i wouldn't be surprised yeah like mcgrory too i think i i I think he's criminally underrated like everyone keeps yeah. putting him in that 20 to 30 range. I think he's a 50 um, top 15. Uh, a ranking I saw had McGurdy going uh, uh, nine to Buffalo as well. So there's a tie in there between Buffalo and the United States development program. Clearly. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> as a lot of the indicators point them to taking somebody from there. So, yeah, like, I think, I think McGurdy, like, you know, he was another guy that I had, for vancouver taking because i i like him yeah. really really like mccordy 
Um, but, you know, Denton Matrix, obviously, if he's still available, he's the defense guy that they yeah. have to take. I but... think he gets drafted higher, too. I don't know. I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, and, so and, a guy from, a guy from the OHL, just to give a little thumbs up to, uh, Luca Del Bell Blues. I think that's I like how him too. His. Yeah. He, he, you know, he plays for Mississauga. Uh, he, he's really good. Really good player. Yeah. yeah. And Owen Beck too. Yeah. Really Owen Beck like as him. well. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, so in terms of like Chinikovs and Boucher, <laughs> I, I don't know if we really see it this year. But, um, you know, for Marco Casper to already be projected in the top 10, I think that kind of already answers the question. You yeah. Because he wasn't guy, even talked about in that no, high-end no. um, part of the draft, for sure. I know he was no. supposed to be in the 20 to 25 range. So, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's just it, right? Like, it's like we talked about. He was projected to go 20 to 25, and then he has this draft combine, and all of a sudden, boom, scouts are drilling all over him, and he's this you know this this unicorn prospect just just like just like Owen Pickering you know yeah Pickering too is supposed to be second round before and now some scouts have him going as high as 15 to Vancouver so yeah yeah Korchinski is another one that really jumped up well um, and then kind of fell back because of his being his defensive game wasn't that good in the playoffs but I think it was the athletic and I could be wrong. So they could sue me for this, but I, th- <laughs> I think it was them who, who did a mock draft and somebody had Korchinski going to, uh, I think it was Seattle or Philly. I can't remember, but it was fourth or fifth overall. And I was like, yeah. Oh wow. Like before that your FC draft? hockey had, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. You're, I think you're right. I think you're definitely right about that. Um, so yeah, yeah like Korchinski is a guy, I mean, I mean, re- realistically, you, you look at what he did and, you know, numbers that weren't put up before in, you know, how long since Daryl Sador. So yeah, for him to be a top five pick, hey, it's not out of the, not out of the picture there, because I think uh, there might be a bit of concern with Juracek's injury issue that he dealt with. Yeah, because I think he so. Yeah. Dealt, he did deal with an injury uh around the world juniors time i do believe so yeah and, and that's just the thing right we talked to we talked to dayton about you know korchinski versus matejuk who's the better ohl defender and then now, now people throw pickering's name in there too. yeah <laughs> like like i i, I personally think that matejuk is the all-around better defenseman and um he's gonna fall because he's 510 but you know to see I know a lot of a lot of boards have him ranked going to San Jose at eleven, um, which wouldn't be surprising because you, yeah. you'd be Korshinsky and then and then him. I don't know. I I, I love what Matejuk can do. Um, obviously, you know you know a former guest here on Western Centric as well. So there's a couple reasons why we root for him, um, but he's just uh, you know I think he's really going to break out next year. He had I mean. He didn't even have a bad, he had a great year this year. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think he's somebody that could put up, yeah, like 60, 70 points next season as a, uh, you know, as a more established defender coming into a, a, a more mature uh, year for himself. Yeah, I, I think so too. And there's, and that's the thing, like there's so many guys and there's so many defensemen that WHL guys this year that uh, are projected to be in that top 20 range. And uh, I mean, of course, WHL has churned out defensemen 
I mean, great defenseman in the past. It's really no surprise, but. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. You, I mean, we've talked about tons of defensemen before. Um, and you, you just think about, you know, what the WHL has always been able to do. And that's, that is produce uh, legitimate uh, elite defensemen. And on, I, I mean, you can look at almost every single roster and I bet you there's a WHL guy defenseman in that top six. Maybe, 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 maybe there's a few that aren't, don't have one, but I mean, off the, you think about Morgan Riley with Shaw Warriors. Yeah. Uh, you think about Duncan Keith yeah, with the Edmonton Oilers and he played, you know, with um, Kelowna. Yeah. You know, they, they, there's just two guys, Ryan Pulock, we play for Brandon. So, you know, Tyler Myers. Oh God. Yeah. Oh God. He's not a top four elite guy by any means, but, but yeah. So, so let's talk a little bit about anticipated trades because I know that there's a lot of talk um, and, you know, within both of our circles at hockey writers and at daily Faceoff, um, there's a lot of people that have contacts. And so we, we, I'm sure, you know, you hear a lot. I hear a lot. Um, anticipated trades that we can talk about, obviously, um, <laughs> you know, Miller, I mean, he's the big one. And I pitched the idea. I, sorry, I didn't pitch the idea. My buddy pitched the idea. So I'm going to say it out on the podcast here so it can be sent out into the universe. And then if it <laughs> happens, you can come back here and you can claim claim your you know free ticket. That, yeah, we were right. So uh, JT Miller for Alex to bring it. That was the deal. One for one. Who says no? Yeah, I talk, we talked about this before we started recording. And it's like, I don't know. Like, I really don't. I, I think... For me, if I was Alvin for the Canucks, I would say yes, because he's got, he's around 25 years old, kind of still fits in that window that the Canucks are kind of looking at. Yeah. You're trading a guy that's 30 or going to be 30. Um, and he's probably going to be costing a ton of money on his next extension. While to bring it signed for the next, what, two seasons? Yep. I really like that. And the thing is, yeah, to bring it's not a big guy, da, 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 but he's shown he can score. I mean, 40 goal seasons. I mean, he's a definition of an undersized player beating the odds and being a legitimate top line um, goal scorer. So for me, if I was the Canucks, I'd take that trade. So, I mean, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think so too. Um, you wrote a piece um, about. Miller going to New York and Miller going to New Jersey. Um, we'll get into that in a second. Uh, I obviously through my circles, uh, we've heard Washington is very interested, but we, you, you know, you and I talked about uh, before we recorded uh, it, it doesn't really work. Like it, Washington wouldn't work because, because the, the, the rumor is and, and Elliot Friedman was the one who said this on 32 thoughts though, that the Canucks are looking at a player like JT Miller, like that, that was kind of literally it. They're looking for JT Miller light. And when you think of JT Miller light, there's a couple of players that come to mind. Uh, one of them is Josh Anderson. Uh, the other, and I'm just going off of players available in the trade market. And one of them is Josh Anderson. And then the other one's Tom Wilson and Wilson's been, you know, Washington's talked about moving him for the right package for the right piece. But the problem with the Miller deal to Washington is Wilson coming back wouldn't really work. And then there's no really prospects available on Washington that fit the Canucks current bill of what they want, because Connor McMichael 
uh, is a fantastic prospect, but he certainly doesn't fit the bill of what Alvin and Rutherford are, are building in Vancouver. And, and, and neither does the defensive prospects of Alexander Alexiev or Vincent Lorio. Yeah. Um, so I think like Washington kind of gets pushed to the side and I, I, I think they kind of fall out. And I really do believe that your standpoint on New York and New Jersey is kind of where it's headed and where he will end up being is he'll be on the East coast on the Atlantic ocean there with one of those two teams. Do you, you want to just maybe think like, who do well, you think? Yeah. yeah. Who do you think comes the, back from either team? Well, the thing is with, and I do agree with that Washington thing. I like guess it really doesn't make any sense, especially when there's so many other teams that are apparently involved in this. Yeah. And can create much better packages than what Washington can put forward. I mean, if the Canucks accepting something from Washington, that's a bad trade. I mean, especially when there's other teams giving you Washington more. doesn't even have a first round pick this year. Yeah. So they can't even give that. So what, unless they're giving you your, the one from 2023, I don't know. I, I don't think they give enough. So, but on my end, like the Rangers and the devils have been talked about this at nauseum. I mean, throughout since the trade deadline. I mean, the trade deadline, there was talk about the Rangers getting Miller and, and New Jersey, not for the second overall pick because they didn't have it yet, but um, for a first rounder, guys like Pavel Zaka were thrown around, guys like that. Yeah. And now the talks have kind of swung back around to this. And I think for the Rangers, the Canucks have definitely have to ask for Braden Schneider. I mean, that has to be in the package. I don't think Lundquist gets it done. Um, Keandre Miller, maybe could be a guy that you could throw in. I don't think the Rangers trade him. He's become a really good NHL defenseman. Yeah. Um, Schneider still is developing. He's 20 years old. Um, fits, again, fits that mold that everyone, the Canucks are looking for, right-hand defense, young guy. Um, and that 20 to 25 range is what Rutherford and Alvin have been saying. Um, I think that fits perfectly. Braden Schneider is a heck of a defenseman. I mean, our prospect and yep. um, had a real, you know, decent season in New, New York in his rookie season. He didn't play a lot. I mean, his average ice time was like 10 to 15 minutes. I mean, an, and he still had decent numbers. I mean, uh, 60 blocks uh, around the same in hits. I mean, that's pretty good for the amount of ice time he's getting. And he's projected to be that top pairing, um, great defensively, great, has some offensive flair to him. Great first pass. Um, perfect, perfect fit for Quinn Hughes. I mean, yeah. if you were looking at a defenseman that you want to play for it with him, this is the guy. I mean, you look at what Devon Taves can do with Kale McCarr. I mean, this is this would be Quinn Hughes, Devon Taves. So uh, absolutely. I really think Braden Schneider needs to be in the deal. And whatever else is added, I mean, there's been talk about Capo Caco, uh, Philip Hedel. I had in my piece Philip Hedel. I really like his game. I didn't really like it when there was being talked about at the trade deadline. So I'm like, well, he isn't really doing much in the regular season. He got seven goals. He had that in the playoffs alone. And uh, really, I mean, I really was really impressed with him in the playoffs. And we talk about playoff performance. He was definitely that. So I, I don't know if a pick needs to be involved in that. We were talking about that, that maybe mm. in 2023 at pick. Um, they do have a first rounder this year. They, it's a later round pick. But if you're at Braden Schneider in there and get the, the later first rounder, I think the Canucks take that too all day. So um, on the New Jersey side, it's kind of different because the thing is when you're looking at it, and I said this in the piece too, it's like 
you're getting the second overall pick. If that is the case, you get second overall pick. You draft Logan Cooley, say Logan Cooley, or Simone Shimon Nemich, and which the Canucks do need right-hand defense again. Um, projects to be a pretty good NHLer, although these are unknowns. So you're getting the second overall pick, and you may hit. You may hit. I mean, Cooley could definitely turn into a top-line center, projected to be that. But again, you don't know. And the same thing with um, anyone there. So, I mean, you're not getting a sure thing. They may not play for like a few seasons down the road and the Canucks want to compete now or within the window of Quinn Hughes and uh, Elias Pedersen. So I don't know if it may, I mean, yes, the value's there. Um, and getting like a guy like Jesper Bratt, who, you know, again, had one good season. So you don't really, you don't know if he's actually turned into a guy who's 23 years old. He fits in that window too. Um, but if I was faced with those two picks, I would say Rangers hit on more of a sure thing, in my opinion. So, yeah, that's my take on all that. Uh, I I love it. That was a great breakdown. I think um, I think you're very right about uh, about about all of it, really. Um, you know, Schneider would be uh, a, a flawless fit with with Hughes, and you know, you talk about a guy that can make you know those crisp passes, can you know just he can really take. Um, a lot of pressure off of Hughes because of, you know, Schneider is an overpowering thunderous freaking defenseman out there. I mean, yeah. he throws some monster hits. He can play a great shutdown role. Um, so he plays like that all around defensive game where, you know, he can, he knows that he can, you know, break it up and make things a little easy. He would make things easier for Hughes. And I think that's, you know, the part of his game that uh, is very attractive to a lot of teams is, he makes things easier for his partner. So he's obviously the, the big, the big key there. And, and if you did, if you offered me Capo Caco and Braden Schneider for JT Miller, I would probably say yes. Yeah. I think that answers the bell for what you need on, on both sides. Like New York gets their guy. They get, uh, they get, you know, a first slash second line player. Uh, I don't exactly know how Miller would fit back in on New York's, you know, chart there. Uh, but Vancouver gets exactly what they need in, in a defenseman for the future and a forward in Capocaco, who's a bit of a project, but can bounce back and become a, you know, top end talent. Yeah, and I was debating between Kako and Heedle in that trade. And I, I mentioned Kako a little bit, just kind of in passing. And it's like, well, maybe Kako instead. Um, but, I mean, I'd really, I really would take that um, <laughs> if, if that was the trade. And, yes, it's not – I mean, Schneider's been not legitimately rumored. I mean, there's been talk about it. But I, it seems like the Rangers aren't really – they're kind of averse to trading him. And this, there's a reason. I mean, we just talked about why. <laughs> yep. Schneider's a heck of a defenseman. But, you know, I said, I said uh, in one of my tweets to some of the replies um, to this and say, you know what? You have to give up something to get something. And you want to get a 99 point guy, even if he's not going to put that up again, he's still a 70 point guy. Um, yeah. You have to give something to get this guy. I mean, the thing is, Yes, there probably would have to be a bit of a, a verbal agreement saying, yes, I'm going to re-sign a contract. Because really, you're giving up all this for one year, potentially. It's probably not the best. 
um, there has to be some kind of agreement beforehand saying, okay, I'm going to sign a contract with you guys when I get traded. So I think yeah. that has to be involved in both sides, especially with the package that we're kind of saying should be for JT Miller. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Nail, you nailed the, nailed the head there. I think like in terms of like, you know, other players that could be moved, you know, Alex to name, obviously that has come up as well. Um, it'll, it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens on that front because, you know, Chicago, they've, they've got a lot of changes that they're making, um, you know, new GM and Kyle mm-hmm. Davidson, obviously. So I think for them to move to Brinkett would be a, would be an interesting one. And then the Johnny Goudreau situation continues to be a hot topic because, you know, well, well can they, what happens there? Um, you know, Goudreau is obviously not a trade by any means. He's just a free agency landing, but Calgary could go out and make a move. Um, Montreal is rumored to, uh, you know, talk to Josh Anderson. So I think lots of uh, big things happen. Could lots happen. of things. Lots of things could happen. I think, and I think that's what's going to make the next couple of weeks appear pretty, uh, pretty exciting in the NHL. Um, on that whole aspect of it, I mean, yeah, uh, we could see I, something happen or nothing happen. And that's just it. That's 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 really just it, right? Like it's either it's like the trade deadlines when all the news and rumors come out and then nothing happens. So. We'll see. Uh, in just last bit of news to cover, uh, just in terms of NHL draft stuff, uh, there's some handful uh, family relations, actually. So I'll run through a bit of a list here. Um, so Jorian Donovan, uh, Sean Donovan's son, uh, Cole Spicer, uh, the nephew of David Hale, Connor Geeky, the brother of Morgan Geeky, Jack Hughes, the son of Kent Hughes, the current Montreal uh, Canadiens general manager, uh, Brad Lambert, the nephew of New York Islanders head coach Lane Lambert, as we've mentioned before. Uh, David and Merrick Hayduke, the sons of Milan Hayduke. Uh, so uh, that's a pretty cool one. I mean, I mean, I remember Milan Hayduke. So yes. this is just weird to see his kids <laughs> in the or get you know in the draft. I love um, I love Merrick Hayduke too. I, there's another guy that uh, yeah, I think is BCHLer. Be, yeah. Yep. Uh, Max Nemesnikov, his brother Vladislav. Uh, currently plays in the NHL, and his father was also a pro hockey player. Uh, Mats Lindgren, of course, his dad is Mats Lindgren Sr., played with Vancouver Canucks and played with the Montreal Canadiens or Quebec. I can't remember. Anyways, um, Joshua Niedermeyer, uh, the son of Scott Niedermeyer and the nephew of Rob Niedermeyer and Jason Strudwick. Now, this is a prospect that I like, this next name, Christian Cairo. Oh, I like, I like him. him too. Yeah. Yeah. So the younger brother, of course, of Jordan Cairo, um, you know, Christian's kind of making some waves. Uh, you know, he, it'll be interesting to see what he can do and who takes a chance on him because mm. I, you know, I feel like the Blues are going to take a swing because yeah. they, they, they kind of have to. He, I think he's a second round pick. I don't know if the Blues have one. Ooh, okay, fair. That's true. Yes, I did see him pegged at thirty nine and somewhere else. I did see him yeah. in a couple other places. So yeah. Um. Cole Knubel, the son of former NHLer Mike Knubel, uh, Brady Berard, the son of Brian Berard, Marcus Broberg, the brother of Philip Broberg, who currently plays for the Edmonton Oilers, Aiden Dubinsky, the son of Steve Dubinsky, former NHLer, Colton Smith, the son of Ottawa Senators head coach DJ Smith, uh, Zam Plant, who I mean I just love that name. Uh, I uh, that's probably one of my favorite names in the draft, yes. other than Cutter. <laughs> but Zamplant, the son of former NHLer Derek Plant, 
Riley Mercer, the brother of Dawson Mercer, and Oasis Wiesblatt, the brother of Ozzy Wiesblatt, who is a San Jose Sharks first round pick in 2020. Or 2020. Family connections. One or two. <laughs> Again. Yeah. yeah. I think Wiesblatt, what was Ozzy Wiesblatt? Was he at 20? Uh, I believe it was the last pick. Last pick yeah, in the draft. So 31, 2020. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, a lot of family relations. Uh, obviously, you know, it's cool to see. Um, you know, it's really cool to see all the family relations. And there's a lot of, uh, there'll be a lot of exciting times this weekend uh, ahead, obviously. Um, but thank you guys so much for sticking along. If you've managed to stick along this, uh, this long, uh, this, this has been a very long episode, but, uh, something we were excited to do, uh, bring you guys a bit of a mock draft and just kind of give you a full breakdown of what's going on, obviously with free agency and the draft, uh, happening over the weekend and stuff, you know, getting hot, uh, we will have more coverage coming out and we will have more interviews coming here shortly, including with some NHL drafted prospects from this year's draft. So keep an eye out for that this summer. Uh, thank you guys so much again for listening to today's episodes. Uh, we appreciate all the listens and shares. Follow us on Twitter. Hit us up with an email. Uh, you can follow my work down below with Daily Faceoff and Nation Network and Matthew's work as well with the hockey writers. All the links are down below. Thank you guys very much. Have yourselves a great weekend. Enjoy the NHL draft. <laughs>